This Easter is different than any of us expected. We're not able to gather physically and see each other and sing praises with one voice to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are able to gather in spirit in our homes and worship Him as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a good day because we're celebrating the victory all of us have in Jesus through the resurrection of Christ. Easter is a great holiday, but this one this one also is, is filled with a lot of sadness. We're dealing with the coronavirus, COVID-19, a lot of heartache in our world and our country and our state and even locally here in York County and the surrounding area. In our world, about 1.5 million people have contracted this, uh, this virus and, and about 80,000 or so have died in America alone. About 370,000 people have come down with COVID-19, and more than 11,000 have already died. And even here in South Carolina, we've had uh, people uh, struck by more than 2,000 people with the virus, and about 50 have died, and even some here in uh, York County. People like Merle and Dolores, who were in their 80s, married for 52 years, and both of them came down with COVID-19. They were in the same hospital in separate rooms on separate floors, but they died the same day. And what's really sad beyond their death is that their family was not able to be in the room with them when they passed on. Uh, their children, their grandchildren had to say goodbye to them through, through FaceTime on their, on their smartphone, on their, on their iPhone. And in the obituary that was published, it said this, kissing, hugging, holding hands, and cuddling were four of their favorite things to do. I would have enjoyed knowing this uh, beautiful couple. And can you imagine, can you imagine how excited and how happy their family would feel if they could have their parents and their grandparents back? Can you imagine how excited they would be if suddenly they were raised from the dead? I think about Sunday, who was a 42-year-old single mom. Her husband had died about eight years ago. She, she was raising six children on her own, ages 13 to 24. And she was quarantined in her hospital room. And again, her children couldn't be in there with her. They were looking through a small window into the room to see her. And they had to say their goodbye to her on a walkie-talkie. Can you imagine how those kids would feel if their mom, who had devoted herself to them, could come back and be with them if she was raised from the dead, if suddenly she was alive and with them again. I think about Stuart and Adrian who have been married 51 years, both of them in their 70s in good health, and they often took trips together. They recently have been on a cruise, and when they got home, they got sick, and they were diagnosed with the coronavirus, and things got worse and worse, and eventually they were under hospice care in a hospital room. They moved them into the same room, and, and they died six minutes apart. And their two children and their grandchildren attended the funeral, but nobody else could. So all the other cousins, all the other relatives had to watch via live stream. Can you imagine how that whole family would feel if this beautiful couple married 51 years could be with them today, could suddenly be raised from the dead? And the, the truth is, resurrection is a real thing. That's what we celebrate at Easter, the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection as followers of Christ in the future. Resurrection is a real thing. And the Bible is filled with stories of resurrection. I think in the Old Testament from the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, during a three-year period of intense drought in the nation of Israel, the prophet Elijah stayed much of that time in the home of a poor widow who had a son, and he helped provide for her to have food and, and the supplies she needed during those difficult days. 
But while he was staying there, her son died. And Elijah, according to the Old Testament, prayed over her boy, and he was raised from the dead and lived again. There's the story in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. Time has passed. There's a new prophet on the scene in Israel. His name is Elijah. And Elijah had, had become friends with a very prominent, wealthy couple in a particular town. And, and they decided to, to have a, a guest room in their house ready for Elijah so that every time he was in that area, he'd have a place to stay. And they were a little bit older, especially the husband. And later in life, God blessed them with a son. And they were overjoyed. And once he was no longer a preschool, we don't know if he was a, you know, a little grade school boy running around or maybe a young teenager. One day out in the field with his father, he had a headache. He was taken home and he died and the mother was distraught. And she went to find the prophet and, and he was about 30 miles away and she brought him back to her house and Elijah got on his knees in their house and he prayed over this little boy and this little boy was raised from the dead. He came back to alive. Can you imagine how they felt? How, how much they rejoiced. And then in the New Testament, there are several stories of resurrection. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus was with his disciples one day, and there was a crowd following them, and they were, they were walking. And they came to this small city, the gate, the entrance to this city. And as they were coming toward the city, coming out of the city was a funeral procession. And there was a, a, a young man who had died, and the Gospel of Luke tells us he was the only son of an elderly widow. And what you have to realize is in that time period, a widow was dependent on her children for her economic survival. They took care of her. And so this woman was going to be in a difficult situation. So this funeral procession is coming out of the city. Jesus, his disciples are making their way toward the city. Jesus sees this. He learns what's going on. And, and the Bible tells us that he, that he walked over to that funeral procession and he reached out his hand. And he placed his hand on this young man's casket and he said to the said said to this corpse he said young man i say to you arise and that young man sat up and jesus gave him back to his grieving mother there's the story in john 11 of jesus having a close friendship with a family a, a brother named lazarus and his two sisters mary and martha and they were close and jesus would often stay with them when he would visit jerusalem because they lived in bethany if you would a suburb above jerusalem and he would stay there quite often and once while Jesus was away somewhere in ministry, Lazarus became sick, and he died. And by the time Jesus made his way to Bethany, Lazarus had already been buried for three days, and the family was grieving. They made their way to the tomb where he had been buried with Jesus. And the Bible tells us as Jesus stood there looking at the place of burial, he wept. He cried. And it says that he groaned on the inside as he, as he heard the family crying and he saw their grief. It literally gripped the guts of Jesus. And Jesus asked them to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb. He lifted his eyes toward heaven and he prayed. And then after he prayed with a loud voice, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And that dead man came alive, was raised from the dead, and he walked out of that tomb. We have the story in the book of Acts chapter 9, the early days of the early church. There was a, a, a woman, a beloved follower of Jesus. Her name was Tabitha. She was also known by her Greek name of Dorcas. And, and she was respected so much because she was constantly doing good and serving. She was known for her generosity and her kindness, but she got sick and she died. And the believers in that community knew that 
the apostle Peter was in a nearby town. And so they sent for him. And Peter came to their town and he went into the room where Tabitha's body was lying dead on the bed. And the Bible says he got on his knees on the floor near the body and he prayed. And after praying, he said, Tabitha, arise. Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And then she sat up in that bed. She got out of the bed. And Peter took her into the other rooms and introduced her to all the believers as someone who was alive. And those are all exciting stories. And, and we, we would be so excited if people we knew who've already died, people we love who are no longer with us, suddenly were back with us and came alive. But there's something you need to know about all of these resurrection stories in Scripture. When they came back to life, they all had the same body they had before they died. And they all would eventually die again. Each of these stories, the, the son of the poor widow, the, the son of the prominent family, the, 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 the adult son of this, of this elderly widow that, that was taking care of her, Tabitha, Lazarus, all of these died again. They didn't live physically on this earth forever. They died again because they had the same body when they were raised from, after they were raised from the dead that they had before they died the first time. They still got old. They still got sick. They could still hurt, still be tired, and still die. They were raised to this life, but it didn't last. There's only one resurrection in the Bible that was different than all of those. One resurrection in Scripture where the person who was raised from the dead did not die again. It was an eternal resurrection. One resurrection that was different, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a better resurrection. And that's the resurrection I want. I believe that's the resurrection you want. Not just back to this life for a few more years in the here and now, but the resurrection that is better than that kind. In fact, the Bible in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about it. And I want to share with you one verse that God put on my heart almost a year ago, and I felt impressed then to preach a sermon on this passage today for Easter. And so I want you to listen to the Word of God in Hebrews 11, verse 35. If you have your Bible, follow with me as we read together. Here's what it says in the New American Standard Translation. Women, now this is the, the chapter that we sometimes refer to as the, hall, the, the, the faith hall of fame, talking about men and women in, in ancient days who had great faith. And so he talks about women here, women who had faith. And he said, women receive back their dead by resurrection, referring to the stories that I just shared with you a few moments ago from the Old Testament. But he goes on to say that others were tortured. Now listen, it's, it's interesting that you find these two things in this same verse. He says, women receive back their dead by resurrection. And other people, others, were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain, now here it is, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. A better resurrection. I want us to talk for a few moments about that better resurrection. Because he begins in verse 35 by talking about these women who had loved ones die, and they, they received them back through the resurrection. It's, it's like we've been talking about. They came back temporarily. They came back to this life, but eventually they would die again. And then he transitions to talking about believers, 
believers of God, servants of God, followers of Jesus Christ who were tortured. And, and, and the Word paints the picture of, of these people being put on that, uh, that instrument, that device, that wheel, if you will, that, that, that stretched their body, that, that pulled their limbs. And, and then after that was done, they would be beaten to death with clubs and sticks and so on. And, and so here are believers who were being tortured for their faith. And those who were torturing them would say to them, if you will simply deny the faith, if you'll simply stop claiming your commitment to Jesus Christ, to God, if you'll deny the faith, and, 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 and then we will release you from this torture rack. We'll release you from this suffering, and you can be free. And can you imagine how great it would have felt? Here you are, you're on that rack being stretched. You're being beaten with clubs, and, and they say, if you'll just deny the faith, if you'll just give up on your faith, we will release you from all of this suffering, and you can go, and you can be free. But the Bible tells us in this verse, they would not accept release. They refused to deny the faith, continued to experience suffering to the point of death. And why? Why? Because they were looking, he says, for a better resurrection. Now think about that for a moment. Can you imagine being tortured? How great it would feel if suddenly the torture ended and you could be released and be healed? Can you imagine the relief you would feel? But what the Bible is teaching us here <clears throat> is that they understood the, the temporary relief they would experience as their suffering ended was nothing compared to the joy that would be theirs in the future when they have that better resurrection, that resurrection like Jesus Christ, that resurrection that is everlasting and eternal, that resurrection where the body never grows old, where it never gets sick, where it never becomes weak, where it's never tired, where it's never touched by sin, where it never dies. That resurrection is so incredible, so much better that, that they, were, they were willing to suffer and die because release from suffering and, and, and the joy that would bring paled in comparison to the joy of that better resurrection. And they did not want to sacrifice. They did not want to lose out on that better resurrection because it was so much better than the release they would feel now if they denied the faith and no longer had to suffer. That's an incredible thought. And it's telling us that continued life on earth, as beautiful as that is and would be, pales in comparison to eternal life following the resurrection we experience as believers at the second coming of Jesus Christ. It tells us that, that that resurrection in the future, that eternal life, that home in heaven is worth suffering for and it is worth dying for. That, that, that as wonderful as it would be to have a, a loved one back with us in, in, in the here and now, it is so much better to have eternity with them in the then and there in heaven. My father was 54 years old when he died from cancer. I was 29 years old at the time. And there have been so many occasions over the years when I would love to have my dad back and how wonderful that would be. 
And I, I remember him accepting Jesus Christ, and I remember baptizing him in the Kentucky River on a, a rainy afternoon. But I got to tell you, as good as it would be to have some time with my dad in the here and now, it's more exciting to know that I have eternity with him in Jesus' home, a place he's prepared for me and for my dad and for you if you know Jesus Christ. That's a better resurrection than having more time here on earth. And, it, and, 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 and that's the one we need. That's the one we want most. Think about it. Think about um, Jerry and Francis. Both of them age 72. They had been married 50 years. Members of a Baptist church in Mississippi. He was a deacon. She was on the flower committee. And recently they had gotten back from a cruise and got sick and tested positive for the coronavirus and were in the hospital together and, and got worse. And eventually they moved him into the same room. They were together in the same room. And they died within six minutes of each other. And what really touched my heart was when they died, they were holding hands. They were holding hands. They left behind two children, eight grandchildren, and 12 great-grandchildren. Their pastor said of them their faith was central to their lives. And I am confident their family is grieving today and would love to have them back to a temporary resurrection. A little more time here on earth. We all understand that. But because they had faith in Jesus, they are going to experience an even better resurrection. And, and their relatives who know Jesus will also experience that better resurrection and have eternity to spend with them. And here's the question. Here's the question I want to ask you right now. Are you going to be part of that better resurrection? Are, are you one who is going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ at the second coming when he descends from heaven? And, and when you hear his voice, you're going to come out of that grave and you're going to experience this better resurrection to, to an eternal existence where you never get sick, you never get old, you never wear out, you never are impacted by sinful choices, you never die, you live forever in joy and peace and beauty with Jesus Christ in heaven. Are you going to be part of that resurrection? Jesus wants you to be, and you can be, and I want you to be. So the question is, is how? How can you be part of that resurrection? What do you need to do to be part of that resurrection? Well, Jesus in John 11, remember that story when he raised Lazarus, his friend, from the dead? When Jesus was speaking to Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, here's part of what he said to them. He said to them, I am, now listen to this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. It's as though Jesus was saying, Martha, Mary, I know you're grieving over the loss of your brother, but if you believe in me, he, he's going to live. He's, not, he's dead, but he's not. He's alive. And it's not just that Jesus was getting ready to raise Lazarus back for a few more years, but because of Lazarus' faith, he was also going to experience that better resurrection in the future, the second coming, and Martha and Mary as well because of their faith in Christ. And Jesus is saying to me and to you, if we believe in him, even though we die, we will live. We will be part of that 
a better resurrection. And, and belief is, is more than simply to acknowledge in your head intellectually that Jesus is real, that He exists, and that you believe that He's a real person. It means you trust Him. And you trust Him enough to depend upon Him, to commit your life to Him. It's as if the chair or the couch that's in your house or the car seat you're sitting in right now as you watch this online. You look at that seat and you say, I believe that seat will hold me up if I sit down. But until you sit down in it, it's not holding you up. You're just staring at it. You can think all you want, believe all you want, but until you believe enough to act and sit down, you don't have faith. And you can look at Jesus and say, I believe He's real, and I believe He's good, and I believe He loves me. But until you believe it enough to act on it and to sit down in Him, so to speak, to commit yourself to Him, your life to Him, and to depend on Him and become His follower, He's not doing you any good. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way to a fulfilled life, to eternal life, and to this better resurrection. And so it begins with you making a decision to trust Jesus, to commit yourself to Jesus Christ. And then because you do that, you live for Him openly and publicly you, you allow people to know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. We, we as believers are baptized not to become believers, but because we are believers. We're baptized as a way of giving testimony to the world that we have committed ourselves to Christ. We, we go to church and we worship Jesus not to become a Christian, but because we are followers of Christ, because we want to worship Him and we want to grow stronger in our faith and our brothers and sisters encourage us and we want to love one another and help one another. And, and we serve Jesus not to become a believer, but because we are believers and we serve Him to make a difference in this world and to honor His name. And so I'm asking you right now, are you willing to make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about easy believism or an easy prayer, but it begins with a decision. It begins with a prayer. It begins with a commitment. Are you willing, would you like right now to commit yourself to Jesus Christ so you can be part of this better resurrection? And in the meantime, between now and that better resurrection, live for Him and serve Him. If you'd like to do that, I'm asking you in your own heart and mind to pray with me right now. There where you are, simply humble yourself, bow your head, close your eyes, and pray something like this, Dear Jesus Christ, I know I've sinned, and I'm not ready to die. And I'm not ready for the second coming. I'm not ready for the resurrection. But I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. And I believe you will forgive me. So right now, Jesus, I give myself to you completely. I commit myself to you. I surrender to you. And I ask you to forgive me, to save me, to give me eternal life. To welcome me, Jesus, as your follower, as your disciple. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for answering this prayer. And thank you for accepting me as your follower. I will live for you. I will love you. And I will serve you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you really committed your life to Jesus and you really want to be part of his family and and, and, and take part in that better resurrection at the second coming of Jesus, I'd like for you to reach out to me because I have some materials I would love to send you. I also would like one of our pastors to call you and talk with you about your decision. And all you need to do to reach out to me is to text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, 
Jesus. Text that word to this phone number that's on the screen, 803-310-4455. And once you text Jesus to that number, you'll get a reply, and it will prompt you to give us your contact information so we can then be in touch with you, send you some printed material that will help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. I know life is a beautiful thing. It really is. It's a gift of God. But eternal life, that better resurrection, is an even more beautiful thing, an even greater gift of God. And we celebrate that today on Easter Sunday. Before we close our service today, we have one more song just to help us worship King Jesus and express thanksgiving for His resurrection and our future future resurrection and the life we have in Him. So listen to this one more song and then a closing word. God bless you. 